Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... odd. This is the... of yours will be reduced to a burned out cinder. Hello everybody and welcome to Oddcast Movies, Music and Games. And here I am today with my fellow co-host, Dreadful Dan G. Hello Dan. Hello and hello listeners. Hello, all you, all you listeners out there. Now, today is a slightly odd one because we are going to be talking about the oddball and one of the leaders of Japanese, which is Masona. So Dan, straight straight off the bat, Masona, do you know anything about this guy? Have you heard anything? Yeah, um, I'll be honest, I didn't know the name, but well, actually, I kind of thought, oh, have I had that somewhere? Um, quite a while ago, I thought I'd like to get into or at least understand some of this mm. genre that he operates in, mm. this uh, you know, noise. Um so I got hold of a couple of compilations, actually, um, on a label called Susan Lawley. Mm-hmm. Uh, extreme Music from Japan and Extreme Music from Africa, both of which I found mm. to be extremely unpalatable. <laughs> but the um, Extreme Music from Japan, um, and I had to go back just to check this. But yeah, it's actually got like three Masona tracks on it, okay. um, along with a handful of Mersbo. And that's why right, I yeah. picked it up. So yeah. I'm more familiar with Mersbo than Masona. Mm. I've actually tried to listen to a few Mersbo albums, but I'll admit, 
Um, it's never grabbed me. I've never really never. quite got it. Mm. Yeah, Merz Poet is kind of like the pioneer. It's probably the most famous one, if you can say famous. Yeah. Something like this. <laughs> um uh of well of noise generally but especially j- japanoise um so yeah what is japanoise what is japanoise and what it's is a, noise a good question and what is noise well it's a very good question i guess like noise japanoise is part of the noise genre that basically was that kind of was the scene that kind of came in the late 80s and early 90s um Noise as a genre, and which people would have just probably guessed from the little blast they would have just heard um, from Masona. And we're going to be, I should say, we're going to be speaking specifically about his album, um, All Live Recording at My Room, um, which was one of his first albums, let's say, uh, released in 1987. Um, And yeah, just taking a look at that, because for me, that was one... Um, I'm not like, I should say now, by the way, I'm not an expert in noise at all. I have a vague interest <laughs> in the genre. And this is, Masona was always one of the ones that um, it stood out because I quite liked seeing his live performances, which we'll kind of get into, uh, even, even though they're very quick. Um, and this is one which I remember reading in an article saying that um, it was like one of his finest pieces of work, let's say. And I did, um, I did enjoy it. So it's kind of like one, it wasn't like a gateway sound, um, but it was definitely something that inspired or ignited my interest in the genre. So that's kind of why I've picked this specific one out. Um, I guess noise genre, it's hard to kind of, it's weird because within noise as a genre, there's a lot of sub sub genres to this, which is um, you've got, yeah, harsh noise, Harsh, well, harsh wall noise is, um, some people say, is a whole separate um, other thing. And then you've got things these days like um, glitch. Glitch music is kind of similar. Um, but essentially what it is, is kind of like, how do I put this? It is literally, it is literally noise. Uh-huh. It is um, distorted stuff. Um, it kind of plays with like the idea of it is basically it kind of plays the like plays the idea of what is music and what is not music and you know and sound and it distorts kind of like it distorts like the meaning or the message that might be behind it and it can like warp what the artist's intent it's very like avant-garde um and all this stuff it it kind of plays with that plays with the sonic foundations of what you perceive really yeah, um, to me, it draws quite a lot of parallels with like um, avant-garde music from the 60s and 70s that developed yeah. into like music concrete. Um, it's basically ambient music, isn't it? It's kind of like textures mm-hmm. and sometimes some very, very small rhythmic shifts, almost imperceptible, um, that kind of give it a bit of meter and a bit of flow. Mm-hmm. Um I've also heard like there's a subgenre of power electronics. Have you heard of that? Yeah, so I've heard of it. I'm not quite sure what the distinguishing factor is. I guess like with noise, um, and yeah, I've kind of come on to listen to that part of it, I should say, is that it's a lot of it's to do with like electronics. Yeah. So um that's why it sounds quite metallic and harsh. And that's part of what I find quite intriguing about it. So for instance, like a 
what Masoni uses and which we'll come on to and what a lot of people use and what I used when I was doing some stuff with Rich, the static, static kind of noise rock outfit yeah. that we've got. It's having like a box full of metal boxes and full of like coins or beads that have, um, not beads, you know what I mean? Like the metal, small metal balls or whatever and shaking that around. And you can do this yourself. And a lot of these are kind of homebrew kind of stuff. Um, and it will just make that kind of harsh metallic sound and you play around with it with distortion pedals and feedback loops and all this. Yeah. Um, but yes, there's a definite electronic stuff. But yeah, what is the power electronic subgenre of this then? I'm not sure, but I think from what I've heard, it's <laughs> it seems to be a lot more like in your face, visceral, um, really like quite like noisy to the point mm-hmm. of being unpleasant. Well, to my ears anyway. I mean, there's yeah. a few kind of noise acts that I have enjoyed. Um, there's, I don't know if you know, London-based combo Shit and Shine. No. And they're, no. what's cool, they sound quite different on record too. I think live, they do it all with like dozens of drummers or like they do all kinds of weird experimentation. Um, but I find that a little bit more, some of their releases, a little bit more playful. Right. Um, who else? You know, White House. No. White House to me are like the, other than Mersbo, they're like the other big name in the noise genre. Okay. They were from London around that same time, I think like 1980 maybe, I think they right. started putting stuff out and they were done by like the end of the noughties. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, and every now and then I kind of like drop in and see if my tastes have changed. Because it is something that I find interesting, you know, a bit like like jazz, something mm-hmm. that just like I didn't get for years. And I was like, there's enough people that like this that there's I respect that there's got to yeah. be something in it and I'm just not getting it. And I kind of think that about, uh, yeah, noise. So yeah. I'm going to be, yeah, interested to hear what you're, what you're taking away from mm. Masona. Yeah, I mean... To, yeah, to kind of expand as well on what you were saying, and for me personally, and the reason why I like it is it does, it sounds like horrible. It sounds like big and horrible. It's very visceral. The fact that it's quite random, and it's funny you talk about jazz, because, you know, it's kind of got that jazz spontaneity um, and improvisation yeah. element around it. But it's just like the complete antithesis, really, of the idea of music. Even yeah. though it's like for most people, and especially <clears throat> same with me when I first heard this stuff, it sounds quite horrible. I actually find it quite cathartic and relaxing. And the fact that you never know where it's going to go, no matter how many times you listen to it, um, you know, that that's part of it. Um, I mean, I looked at the um, Wikipedia of uh, Noise and I was quite interested to see that they had, they tried to kind of define it. And I was like, well, let me just, I'm just going to read this out because okay. it, um, it's quite, it's quite a lot. I'll try and condense it as much as possible. But according to Danish noise and music theorist, Torbin Sangild, one single definition of noise in music is not possible. Sangild instead provides three basic definitions of noise, a musical acoustics definition, a second communicative definition based on distortion or disturbance of a communicative single, that signal, sorry, and a third definition based in subjectivity. So what, yeah, what, what is noise to one person can be meaningful to another. What is considered unpleasant sound yesterday is not today. Um, and he says, yeah, there's four types of noise, unwanted noise, unmusical sound, any loud sound and a disturbance in any signaling system, such as static on a telephone. Um, and yeah, loads of people kind of go into like, what, what is noise? And it's just quite interesting because no one can kind of 
no one can kind of like pin it down. So like they, mm. they talk here about how like you've got the John Cage composition for a minute thirty three seconds, yeah, which was if you remember just where he sat at a like piano and there was just silence for that yeah. amount of time. Um, and the idea was that the noise around you was the music itself. So it's like that, except with noise as we know it, or as we're talking about today, it's much more harsh, aggressive, um, and has, yeah, it's just a bit more anger to it. Whereas that's probably like the nice noise. (laughs) This is like a bit more like actual noise combining that idea of that um, unwanted sound. Um, Yeah. It's funny because, you know, the last episode we did was... uh, Tetsuo. Yes. And this feels like it kind of goes hand in hand. That film and this kind of music seem to be born out of the same era and experience. Mm-hmm. Especially, you're, you're completely right, and especially with Masona and that specific Japanese sound, a very industrial, gritty and all this stuff. I mean, and that's part of it. Like, you've got industrial noise as a whole subgenre, I believe. Yeah. And then you've got, like, on the lighter end, um, like noise rock. Um, and, you know, you think like Sonic Youth always start with noise rock. I'd, yeah. I would argue it's obviously more rock than noise, but there's an element of it there, sure. 65 Days of Static, right there, early stuff, I think was like, if I remember rightly, was a bit more like noise-based. I mean, but you go back as far as like, when you think of like the Beatles with Revolution 9 on the White Album, yeah, that's like a, that's just a whole bunch of noise, basically, or sounds just put over the top other's kind of collage of sound um and then there's also that lou reed album and the metal metal machine music music. similar it's a similar thing it's not like this thing hasn't been done in a commercial capacity before um but yeah i guess like with um before i go into the masonic stuff like with japanese as well uh japanese as well um there's an element here which is it's like an art form so um for instance there's one of the big ones as well as hannah tarash um who is insane basically at one point he as for one of his live gigs he destroyed the venue with a bulldozer (laughs) (laughs) um that kind of reminds me of the klf like stunts that they did like the klf was just a big conceptual art project wasn't it with some music in the middle that was kind of like satirized the music industry they're always doing stupid stuff like that. Didn't they burn a million pounds? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Something really weird. Yeah, these kind <laughs> of stunts. Um, and yeah, this is the same kind of thing, but based uh, based around noise. Um, so yeah, that's it's quite it's quite interesting, and it's the idea that it's like you can't even define it as like good or bad, which is weird. And what we will actually try to do today, um, to a degree, but it's kind of irrelevant because there's just no baseline, basically. Yeah for something like this. Um, and I think it's interesting because when you, and I'll come on to like the review part of it um, towards the end of, of what, I only was only able to find out like one kind of funny review, put it that way. Okay. Um, I thought there'd be more, but there just isn't of this particular album anyway. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's very, very interesting to see how people distinguish this piece of work to his other pieces of work, for instance, mm. and how you can, how they have that frame of reference within the genre of what is good and what is bad. And normally it's intent more than anything. It's normally like intent and maybe effort or like level of experimentation rather than going through it, you know, like sonically, if it 
you know what I mean? Yeah, because well, sometimes I wonder that. Often these artists are extremely prolific. Like Mersbo's probably into, I don't know, at least four figures in terms of albums, right? Yeah. Um, so how do you distinguish? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously I sound ignorant, but it, a lot of it all sounds the same. Mm. So that'll be interesting, yeah, to see where this album sits yeah, in his sits kind of like catalogue. Yeah, it's, it's, it is really weird. So I guess like, let's talk about a little bit about Mazona himself. So his name is actually Maso Yamazaki. Um, and the reason for Masona, it depends. It, there's kind of a few reasons where that name comes from or, or definitions thereof. But in Japan, um, there's Maso, which is like the masochist, and uh-huh. Ona, which is woman. So uh. masochistic woman, Masona. Obviously, it sounds like Madonna, which is what oh, which is another part of it. <laughs> um, it's also apparently an acronym for Mademoiselle Anne Sanglatante ou Notre Nymphomanie Oriole. Sounds sexy. Um, or another version apparently is Mystic, another selection of nurses, naked anthology. There's a lot of um, sexual over and under tones here. Yeah, yeah. Um, which again yeah. seems to be like very prevalent throughout the genre. Like this extreme mm-hmm. music from Japan compilation I had, it's got um, like an illustration of a woman who's all like bandaged up. Right. She's like a bit sexy as well. And a lot of Mersbo stuff has got like images of like masochism and bondage. And mm-hmm. Strange preoccupation. I think there's that element with it. And that kind of comes from like the kind of gothy industrial metal kind of side of it definitely but also the fact that it's like it's supposed to be like it's carnal music or whatever mm. like it's the pure animal like energy behind it which is obviously usually quite associated with kind of like you know, sexual and well sexuality or you know those carnal desires basically so um yeah so masona oh masona um he's also performed under different names it was um uh, space Machine. Um, he was also apparently, uh, it says here, he was in psychedelic rock groups, Christine 23 Honor, um, whatever that is. And uh, he also was in like a, what was it? Maybe it's on the Wikipedia thing. I've got it noted down here. He was also in like a Deep Purple slash Led Zeppelin tribute. Wow. Band <laughs> or something at one point in his younger <laughs> days, which is quite weird. That's cool. Um, he's in a thing called Acid Eater. Um, he was in Bust Monster. Uh, the only other one I knew is Flying Testicle, which I always remember. It always sticks out. Um, Great but he's been, he's been, um, he currently is uh, performing under the name of Controlled Death. Um, and you can still buy, you can buy some of that stuff n- now um, if you're interested. Um, and it's quite interesting, his background. So he kind of, kind of fell into noise by accident. It kind of sounds like, because um, he actually, uh, I think it was something like he got the, the Hannah Tarash, LP, um, debut LP, which he hated. <laughs> and then he accidentally um, got uh, a noise LP by um, a band called Nord, um, when he was, which is called LSD, when he was trying to get an album by the band LSD. So he got a bit confused. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, that kind of ignited his interest a little bit. Um, <laughs> That's Sonic Youth are a big fan of Masona. Um, they... Uh, Thurston Moore, um, like when Thurston Moore took over um, one of the MTV shows, I can't remember. I want to say it's like it's not sixty minutes or whatever, but um, obviously, uh, and the Americans are probably 
going like 60 minutes what you talk about it's like a serious it's like panorama or something in, 120 in, in, minutes was it 120 minutes or whatever okay. but Thurston Moore I can't remember Thurston Moore had whatever he hosted one of the shows the MTV shows and Masona was one of the people that he um you know brought on and talked about okay, he cool. toured with Sonic Youth um and all this stuff and I've got a Sonic Youth story actually in a sec um he's toured with Beck and obviously like Thurston Moore and Beck are like a mates anyway um and well and Slipknot apparently he even did a um a John Peel session no um, yeah which is wow. quite strange yeah so yeah all this stuff is he, he but I think his like day-to-day job was like I believe it's like it was just running a music shop in Japan <laughs> he was just the manager of a music shop wow and yet and yet went on these like um tours he's and actually guess, like had more mainstream exposure then than I realized hmm yeah, maybe more yeah, than Merzbo. I w- yeah, I would say um, in terms of the mainstream rock audience, mainstream. Yeah, probably yes. Um, I imagine so. He hasn't um, been on top of the pops. Not yet. Not yet. I mean, he's still going. He's still going. I mean, he's this little tiny, like you know, Japanese guy with long black hair. But yeah, if you watch him like live, if you look at his live stuff on YouTube, um, he goes for it like full pelt, just absolutely just he's everywhere it's just jumping around and some of his like gigs are like a minute long two minutes long he just fucks off and that's the end but how um, i mean maybe we can come to this later once we've listened to the music mm. but then i'm thinking like how do you then present that as a live act well he just screams into a microphone shaking his like little box of coins through the distortion pedals and then just basically jumps around screaming turns the pedals on and off and that's it it's done done then he's off he's fucked off um yeah it's really worth um really worth checking out um so i guess let's have a let's have a listen let's go through the 1987 album by masona all live recording at my room but before that let's take a bit of a break Through track, we're going through track by or side by side. I think, um, we're just going to have a general, we can have a general chat about it. There are certain moments that I've highlighted within it, okay. Um, so people can check this out on YouTube or live recording at my room. It was on a cassette originally, um, so there's two sides side A, side B, they're about 16 minutes each. Um, and if you watch it on YouTube, um, I've kind of jotted down the time codes of the whole thing, so I'm doing it as if it's like a 32 minute or whatever. Um, album, let's say, or piece of work, even though it's actually split into two, two different sides. Um, Dan, it was released on cassette, but it's, it's all in purple. It's very homemade, obviously. Um, but the cover I thought was quite cool because it's someone who looks like they're made up of wood or something, like using a cutthroat razor, like shaving. Yeah. But it looks like he's like, a, it, it's like a knife up to the neck that he might slit it. Like there's that like near as in like expectation almost of violence, which I thought was quite interesting in terms of the music as well. Yeah, you're right. It's a very uh, compelling image, I think. Mm. Yeah. And again, thinking about Tetsuo, it's almost yeah. like a man who's turned to wood rather than metal. What, what were your first thoughts going into this album and listening to it? Just why? <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> when, when's it going to stop? Um, yeah, yeah. It sounded a lot like 
what I thought it would sound like. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It sounded a lot like the other Masona tracks I'd heard on that compilation. Yeah. Sounded a lot like all the other tracks on that compilation. Um, and I, yeah, I struggled. I struggled to grasp what I was supposed to be getting from this. Okay. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. I've got a fairly open mind about music. And like I said before, I am intrigued and I feel like I'm missing the party. So. Yeah, fair enough. I think part of it is that it sounds like hell. <laughs> it sounds like like a pure horror. So you've got that, as you as you guys would have heard, it's got like the screaming. And I, I should say as well, this is, this was the only thing I know about this actually was that it was recorded like as live, put it that way. Um, there's no like overdubs or anything like that. It's just straight out. Um, the screaming kind of vocals, the harshness of the sound itself, the pure feedback, the fact that it sounds so like monstrous. I think one thing I really love about it is that a lot of the time his vocals tend to like mold into the distortion. Mm. Um, and it makes me feel really weird to be honest. And it does sound like super, it sounds like something like not of this earth. It sounds yeah. like ethereal. Um, it does sound super monstrous. I like that it sounds like that way. And the, just there's an element of like disgust in there. There's like the screeching, like noise to it. Um, just feels like it's like a, a man with, you know, problems, just like letting it out, like almost like primal screen therapy or something like that. Yeah. Um, which I quite enjoy. Um, and the fact is, it's like, uh, it's only half an hour. And I know people are like, oh my God, it's still half an hour. But like when you think of like Vomir, and I, I keep using him as a point of reference, only because I actually I actually like, don't mind Vomir, but the thing with like um, the kind of uh, wall noise is that it is like two hours and it's like constant. So the whole point of it is that it doesn't really like let up. There's no like dynamicness about it. Whereas with yeah. Sona, you've got those elements of um, it's like, has moments of quiet and then there's a sudden like burst of energy or it will do something different. Whereas with like for me and all this, and I don't know, I might be saying that wrong of an idea. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a bit dirty, but not in a necessarily, necessarily um, good mm. way. Um, I should say as well, like um, I, I, I kind of didn't really talk about this, but my actual first time I saw noise and experienced it was watching Sonic Youth at the um, Roundhouse in 2007 mm-hmm. when they did the Don't Look Back tour. Okay. And they, did Day- they did Daydream Nation in full, um, which I know we've spoken about before and I really yeah. like and you're a bit nonplussed about it. I've never heard um, it. Oh, right, well, there you go. I've literally right. never heard that album, which is absurd. <laughs> it's, you should, well, yeah, it's only like 40 minutes. <laughs> like, just, you might as well just check it out. Um, but anyway, they performed that and they did, I think they did some stuff off Goo and whatever, and I can't remember, but the support band were this, um, noise outfit. And I think they may have been new, but they'd come from old noise outfits, the eighties or maybe the nineties, whatever, I don't know, but, um, they were called Sutcliffe, Sutcliffe Jugend. Um, right. And they came on and I've specifically remember this. It was so loud and it was pure noise and it was like, I was, I remember everyone was looking around going, what the fuck is this? Like, what the hell? And they got booed. They got booed off stage. Oh, and they, got, they had to cut their set short. 
go back and they were really like they were on stage like telling people to like fuck off and all this stuff um but i thought it was a joke i thought it was funny yeah i thought and that was my first experience of um of noise <laughs> music and my wife was there as well and she'd probably attest to that that it was a bit weird she'd probably think i'm mad now by actually going out of my way now to like listen to stuff like that she one um, of the ones heckling them and swearing fuck you fuck <laughs> no, i don't think so um no, that's a great my, introduction though. Wife. yeah that is great because there's something like inherently confrontational about this music oh very yeah and so to present it to yeah as a support mm. uh, to an audience that you know isn't going to be all that attuned mm. that's such a troll like, move just makes <laughs> it makes Sonic Youth look good doesn't it so um, uh-huh. from an art perspective and also from the fact it's like, well, it can't get any worse, can it? First and stitch them up. Support band. Huh? <laughs> First and stitch them up. Yeah, exactly. Like, well and good. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so going back to Masona, so this side A, um, there's certain elements with it and I know people could be like, how the hell can you distinguish bits of it? But the 8 minute 55 mark, and that's the only way I can kind of nail this down, there's this great bit and it kind of sounds like it's a, he's using his um, voice in um, and it sounds like a revving like motorbike that kind of gears up and suddenly like erupts into this like nuclear storm or something. And I remember like listening back to this as well. I was just like, that is so fucking intense. <laughs> like that is, wow. that is um, a bit mind blowing. And then there's a, there's a moment at like 9.29. I'll send you these time codes so you can listen to it yourself. Um, there's these like peaceful bits and then this like absolute wave of distortion as he kind of wails over the top. Well, um, should we listen to those bits now? And, uh... Well, I don't know if people can take it. All right, well, let's listen to the, let's listen to the 8.55 mark and the revving motorbike sound. Cool. <laughs> What did you think about that? What a racket. It's a bloody racket. What a racket. This is probably, to me, like this is probably what um, Nirvana sounded like to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that South Park episode, um, which is exactly that, which is like Randy is like, he, all he's hearing is just like someone like taking shits or something. <laughs> just the sound of shits. And he's like, no, this is cool. Look. Or whatever. And he's like farting and he does like a band to try and, do this kind of music and then Stan realizes that the music is actually shit. It's just shitty music. Um, but there's that, yeah, perception of like what audience, but, but that's just it, right? That is, I mean, you're right. There's an element here where it's like, it's just noise. It's like horrible noise. Like some people, what's one person's noise is another man's lovely art. Um, Absolutely. Okay, let's listen, let's listen to um, the next bit, which is at, at 929 where you've just got these kind of peaceful bits and then this wave of distortion. Uh, have a listen to that. Okay, that was quite a cool moment. <laughs> okay. That was quite cool. I can see why, yeah, that, your ears would prick up at that point. Yeah. 
and that's the thing and that's what i quite like about um the the noise genre rather than like harsh well i don't mind harsh noise but like wall harsh wall noise whatever you want to fucking call it where it's like i like the kind of change that's happening and i suppose like there's that sound specific at that point where it's like or whatever and i feel like it's like shaking something at the back of my brain it's like a very physical thing do you know what i mean especially when you've actually got it loud and that's one of the things that we should say as well is that volume is a very important part of this like it needs to like shake you to your very it's as you said it's intrusive it's violent and the loudness of it is actually part of it so um you know when i come to mix this down i'll try and keep obviously steady because i don't want to blow people off the charts but if you do want to go and listen to it, I would recommend listening to it fairly loud. Don't burst your eardrums or make any you know, damage your hearing or anything. But um, yeah, that's definitely part of it. Yeah, um, maybe where I went wrong was listening to this while I was doing some spreadsheets. Yeah, because you didn't give it your full attention. Jeez. <laughs> well, I thought I was being attentive enough, um, but maybe. It was it was quite intrusive when you're mm. trying to like set up some formulae. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to yeah, actually use your brain for productive things. Um yeah, that makes sense. So eleven forty three is the next one I'm gonna make you listen to. Okay. And the reason why I like this one is because it he he's kind of playing with his voice a little bit throughout this whole thing, but especially bits like here where it's this manic type laughing that just descends into hell. <laughs> Wow. Let's have a listen. 11.43, Mark. That was really horrible, but um, I quite liked that actually because I do really like a horrible vocal. Yeah. yeah, for some reason, I think yeah, that human element is a bit more uh, engaging for me. Mm. It kind of makes me think, um, you know, I love David Yao mm-hmm. of the Jesus Lizard and Scratch Acid, and I love when he does some just really unpleasant noises with his throat. It sounds like he's like choking or like doing a big phlegmy spit or something. Yeah, and that was <laughs> he started laughing like you say, like it was a demon laugh. But it kind of became like a like an old person's like blemmy death rattle. Mm. It's funny you say that. Actually, there's a I can't remember off the top of my head. There's a noise artist out there whose mum had I want to say like cerebral palsy or something like that, and he recorded her death rattles. He oh my god! Her screaming in pain as she died, and he turned it into a. Uh, noise album basically or a track really? or something like a piece of music let's say um yeah which when you listen to is disturb is horrible in a new sense because obviously you've got this quite horrible you know noise essentially and you've got mm-hmm. this woman's real screams of death as she's dying over the top his own mother um and i think it's literally called like oh my God, i can't remember like what i the noises i make as I pass away or something. Huh. Um, and I think the cover is literally his like, mother's corpse or like her dying face or something, something fucking weird. And wow. Horrible. I'll um, wait for the, uh, is there like a Paul Oakenfold 12-inch house mix? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I mean. Like some of this stuff, it's like, 
it's it taps into something like dark with some of these people. Um, yeah. And it does kind of, you know, it does. And that's part of the intrigue. I think it's like, it's like looking into like the, the void a little bit, the blackness of like people who are making this and I've done it like with my noise stuff as well, but mine's obviously not quite as, as dark or savage. I don't think. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it feels very personal to that person, even though it's just noise. I don't know. It's weird. And again, I was worried and we had this little pre-show chat that I'm going to sound like a complete wanker trying to give any kind of like <laughs> critique to this kind of stuff. But on that sense, I've just noted here, um, and it's the last one was side A at 14, 18. And I've just put here, this is proper guttural screaming. So let's have a listen to this last bit of side A. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, so sorry, it's a little bit earlier than 14, 18. It's actually around the 14, 9 mark. Um, horrible. Yeah. That's not being sick. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to make me think of, um, did a series on some Melvin's releases that came out recently, mm. including, uh, they did an album called Hostile Ambient Takeover. Mm-hmm. I think you've talked to me about it before. Yeah, this is probably my favorite because um, it's got a lot of coming together of some of the styles and influences, one of which is more uh, noise. So obviously you've got rock songs, but they've got some of this kind of sounding noise in the mix, adding like extra intrigue and ambience and um they had a guy called uh sir david scott stone who played electric wire on the album mm-hmm. and um he toured with them as well and he was part of like the melvin's Phantomass big band and he would just had a piece of wire on stage and at the end of certain songs as it kind of like petered out he'd build up this like like roar and sheet of just horrible electronic sound um but then there is a certain 
yeah, there's like it's it's the like you say it's the improvisational nature of like when they choose like the timing and the rhythm to make certain shifts and changes and sounds mm-hmm. can become quite uh, like hypnotic and rhythmical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, just that little burst there that really made me think of like yeah the um, like the outro couple of minutes of one of the songs on the Hostile Ambient Takeover. Yeah, interesting. Um, that's big praise, uh, seeing how much you love from Melvin's in the first place. Um, so now we get through to side B. Side B uh, kind of, for me, is more gritty. Um, it has a bit more of a screechier, metallic beginning, let's say, but it just comes in a bit more full force. So we're like with side A, it kind of has more of a build up, if you could say that. Yeah. Side B, it's kind of like like straight in for the next like yeah sixteen minutes, and his vocals are sound. It sounds as if he's like built up to this moment a lot more, um, and now he's kind of like letting go. So one of the ones, and again, this is just as if it's one body of work. At the point twenty two nineteen, it's an element, and I was kind of talking about it before, where his voice kind of melts into the distortion, but it sounds like it's kind of that borderline and this is it, right? The masochistic side of it. It's that like borderline between like sexual and the, the painful, basically you're not, you can't distinguish what, where that noise is essentially coming from. Um, it's quite interesting. So anyway, let's, so this is going to be a, this is going to be a sexy little bit, is it? Well, uh, let's yeah. Don't know about that. In a <laughs> sexy, in a dungeon kind of way. Um, 2019. So have a listen. Barry White, is he? <laughs> you uh, get a girl back to yours. You put some sultry sex music on. <laughs> Pop that on. You're more likely to get a uh, a police investigation <laughs> than a uh, than a rogue hand job. So, baby, I got tickets to go see Masana. That's your favorite, <laughs> right? Masana. I like Madonna. <laughs> I'm sure it's the same thing. Let's go check this out. <laughs> this guy uh those were particularly um repugnant babblings mm, yeah but yeah that kind of like molding into the distortion i thought yeah. was quite it's quite nice like that again kind of a bit tetsuo right that kind of mold of man machine uh, um, indeed it's quite nice uh in a weird way um next bit is probably the most horrible part of it um i would say which is at the 2633 mark where he basically sounds like it's a bit deliverance pig style. Also like a little bit like exorcist. Um, So let's have a listen. 2633. Sounds good.
I think I've heard you make that noise. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, when we did our famous Evil Dead remake, circa <laughs> 1999, <laughs> I swear you made a noise like that. Ah, <laughs> uh, dear. It's, yeah. not, it's, it's weird. It's disgusting and horrible and I hate it, but um, I love it at the same time. It sounds like, you know, we did Black Christmas recently and mm. you've got Billy on the other end and he's making yeah, those kind of noises. It's like that. Totally, yeah. Works on an emotional level. Mm. Just makes you feel anxious, I suppose. Mm. Sound it like does, that. Yeah. It's funny you're pointing out all these things because actually I, I do tend to enjoy these things within slightly more conventional like noise rock yeah um yeah again like melvin's other related bands like hepatitis um who kind of just like push out some willfully repulsive sounding Mm. and just like in your face like horrible meldings of sex and violence uh yeah but i did all of this kind of like washed over me a bit i suppose you have to be really listening in quite intricate detail because this is all about small tonal mm-hmm. shifts isn't it and just little detail that uh just just springs out and, and just manipulates you slightly yeah and i guess that's kind of one of the things i enjoy about the noise is that it's kind of like finding it's almost like your ears are searching you're searching for something to like like put your hat on if you know what I mean yeah, <laughs> instead yeah. of like a hook or whatever and so I think yeah. when I listen to it and maybe and this is going to sound wanky it's like from a like musician point of view or whatever like your brain is automatically yes yeah, as I just said like trying to find a hook or trying to find some kind of melody or something and you can't find it and that means that you're paying weirdly attention to like these little moments that sound a mm. bit different or that stand out that might just be part of the cacophony um, yeah, that you would probably listen to if you're listening to it, you know, off the bat. But um, if you are already kind of acclimatized, let's say, to that kind of sound, then you start noticing these little bits. And there's nothing to say there's any, I'm not even saying that there's any necessarily any um, like form to it or like, um, how do I put this, like any craft, let's say to it more so anyway than what might be subconscious or subjective or Mm. the element of creating these noises in the first place like the fact that there's no musical it's something that could be done with perhaps no actual musical ability but I still feel like in order to do that you have to be talented in a certain way in order to kind of do this thing in the first place does that make sense yeah yeah sort of emotionally switched on or uh, connected with yourself Mm-hmm. And everything you've just said, I think, is pertinent to free jazz. God. Uh, yes, but it's true. But yeah, but I mean, the, yeah, the way that you engage with and enjoy this mm. is the same way that people would have, I think, with free jazz. This is free jazz for Japanese sadists. Yeah. I think the thing is with something like jazz and free jazz, and even though like it's not something I listen to, but it's almost like, it's almost like the same, but also opposite in the sense of you are very much tuned in with the rhythm, with the the melody, with the notes and all this stuff. Whereas with this, you are purposefully trying to fight against that. Um, Uh So you're not like, you're not trying to like slot in or you're not trying to see where the music takes you. It's more just like you're kind of 
with the noise aspect, you're just kind of taking it. Where it goes from a pure emotive, um, very uh, back to basics, animalistic, primal approach to it, rather than the masterful craft of being able to like, you know, play a saxophone and know what's going to happen. Okay, we might switch keys here, or like, oh, this guy's gearing up to do something. That is like professional, you know, side of it. And I think that kind of noise thing, that's probably why it's like a little bit, it kind of hangs its um, hat. I don't know why I keep saying that on like the punk or like the kind of metal aspect of it, which is very much like the kind of pick up and play aspect, the kind of rough rawness, but also like the lack of any um, musicianship. Uh, and that's probably why it kind of floats around in those circles, I suppose. Yeah, which is probably why, you know, this one, all live recording at my room. And a lot of these things that I've seen, they're often like very low-key DIY cassette releases and totally obscure. Mm. But like that emphasis on it being kind of DIY. Mm. It's that seems to be part of the part of the yeah, like the ethos. Aesthetic and yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah, you think like our friend Rich, who we're in sales with, um, he, Hang on, we're, that makes it sound like we've been imprisoned with him. <laughs> and our band sells. Oh, yeah. um, one day we'll be in prison with him. Um, <laughs> uh, or, or we'll uh, role play. Uh, we'll role play it out. Um, he has an album. He's done a few noise albums by himself, like on the side. Um, and he's got one called uh, In the Bath, which is him just taking a bath for half an hour. He's recorded it. Um uh, there's another one. I think he did one which is just like pipes or something like that. Pipes. So, and there's one of him eating a curry. That's right. Eating a curry. That's another one. So but, he, he does this whole like, so that's an element of, of noise, but in a, in a completely different it's way. not really what I would think of as, as noise. It's more like novelty. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, it's more, it's, it's kind of, uh, I suppose if anything, it's like avant-garde, ambient montage with a twist of the keyboard humor um <laughs> but yeah i find it quite interesting so I, I, this so this next one is the last one which is um i'm gonna put a 30 35 so we're coming to the end now of the whole thing um and to me this sounds a bit more human and it sounds like he's almost pleading which is a really interesting way in my head for how to kind of end something like this so let's listen around the 30 35 mark So yeah, so it's more around like the 30 minute, 30 minute, 10 mark, um, a little bit there. Yeah. Um, but it's, these are kind of more weird sounds, but also sound a bit more like human, if that makes sense. Animalistic still um, and nonsensical, but still like human and weirdly like pleading. And it's like coming, I don't know, like it's just weird, painy, um, horrible kind of sounds, but they just, they're a bit more, um, in your face here than they have been earlier on, perhaps, um, in this album. Uh, yeah, what do you reckon? Really reminded me 
of um, uh, Yamataka Eye of the Boredoms. Mm. Um, do you know the Boredoms? No. They're they're a Japanese. What are they? I'd say they're more of a noise rock band. Right. Um, but they've done. I think they've done like elements as like that's a bit more pure noise. But they have a vocalist who does all that kind of babbling, bellowing, really guttural, primal stuff. And very influential then on Mike Patton. Right. Okay. Um, and again, that like you said, it is more human. And that really reminds me of um, Mike Patton did a solo album very early on when he was still with uh, Faith No More. Mm. I think it's just called, uh, what's it called? Adult Themes for Voice, something okay. like this. Um, it's got a lot of this like jabbering, <laughs> frankly. <Right. Interesting. laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he he's always obviously been a big fan of this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me if he uh, was influenced to some degree by some of this. Yeah, I, that sounds yeah sounds right. Um, that's it, basically, Dan for Masona. Um, yeah, what an experience. I mean, yeah, it's definitely weird, um, and I kind of appreciate that it's totally not for a lot of people. Um, I uh, quite like it. Again, I have to be in a certain mind frame if I want to listen to stuff like this. Um, I guess, like, if you want to listen to, like, other things like this, as we've said, like, Mersbo, however you say it, um, is the kind of next go-to if you're yeah. interested. Um, who else? Like, yeah, Hannah Tarash as well. Um, I don't really particularly... That's weird. And again, like, comparing these kind of things, but um, maybe don't really um, rate it as much as maybe other people do. Um, another one, Hijo Kaidan, um, is another, uh, these are kind of Japanese artists, I should say. Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, like, check out, like, Vermeer. It might be more up people's street. Um, I think White House, if you yeah. want to go go international, um, they're one of the early pioneers <laughs> of all of this kind of uh, genre. Yeah. And I guess, like... Um, Sissy Spacek as well is uh, not the actress, obviously. There's a band called Sissy Spacek who I think are from LA. Um, and I enjoy listening to them. And I realised that actually me and Rich did do, we did another noise thing <clears throat> separate from Static Static, which was which we recorded in about 15 minutes. Uh-huh. And each song is about three seconds long. Um, okay. And it's really weird that it's a bit Sissy Spacek in that sense as well. I can't remember what it's called, even though I'm on it. I can't remember what the name, <laughs> of, name of the outfit is or anything. Um, I, should, I might, I might check it out. I tell you what, I'm going to have a look for it whilst, um, whilst you tell me uh, your your final thoughts on what you thought of, of this album specifically. Um, before I come to that, another recommendation I mentioned oh, yeah, earlier: on. Shit and Shine. If you want to hear like a modern band that's still putting stuff out. Um, and I'd really like to go and see them live at some point. Mm. But um, yeah, I quite like quite like what they're doing. They're, I think they're London-based. They seem to play quite a fair bit. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting for sure. Um, final thoughts. Before my final thought, actually, I have a question for you. How many times have you listened to this album? Um, I would say, including what we did like just now, probably eight times. So not loads. 
Do you think your appreciation of it has grown, deepened? Because to me, like I said earlier, it seems like an album where, you know, first time you listen to it, it might wash over you or, you know, you're not going to pick out all the detail. Mm. But through repeated plays and maybe like learning it, that's where some of these small fluctuations might start to emerge. Yeah, I guess part of it is that I don't want to learn it. Mm, (laughs) Um, I kind of want it to be fresh each time because I like the fact I don't know what it's doing or where it's going or what's going to happen next. That's part of the enjoyment of it for me. So if I listen to it... You can't burn out on it. Yeah. So if um, if I listen to it too much... I would, I would start to not enjoy the reason I'm listening to it anyway. Um, mm. Totally uh, get that. Yeah, uh, the other the outfit I should say that I do this thing is which is called surreptitious glance, but I don't know if it, anything's been if we actually released it. Um, but yeah, that's like it's like a 15, 20 minute album, and each song's like three seconds. Get online, um, kids. You might yeah. find a a rare Check nugget. With the fact that I fucking forgot, I'm even. <laughs> God, I even did it. Um, yeah. It's really saying something. Um, yeah, uh, but that's that's quite noise core, I guess. If you want to call it that, it's another another one. Fuck noise, noise core, <laughs> basically hardcore rock, but in noise okay. fashion. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's definitely like one. elements of noise still. But this is very much the um, extreme end of it, the more mm. experimental end. That's kind of just pushing that envelope a little bit more. Mm. Um, well, my closing thoughts. I enjoyed this time together. Mm. I do, do feel like I've got a little bit more of uh, insight into this. Um, yeah, it just strikes me as you know, it's a very personal thing. Um, obviously, how the music's being made is very personal. Mm-hmm. Like it does seem like someone just like summoning up a very um, like deep internal feeling like when i think of like again to put it in like a more of a standard rock context you know like lennon's first album Mm. after the beatles where he's like this is my like uh primal scream therapy it was primal scream therapy been hanging out with that doctor what's his name i can't remember now tears for fears guy um and that was all like yeah just get it all out there and it feels like the same sort of thing as i can see you know it might be therapeutic even Mm. for them uh, musician um, and I suppose you know if it's sincere and they're feeling it then it makes sense that there will be a small uh, few select listeners who it will resonate with um, and again yeah it feels obviously then very personal um, which then makes me think well how do you find a consensus on what's good and what stands out but I think you are going to tell us that at some point Yes, so I was able to find a few um, reviews, uh, some of which were strange. Um, but let's get into it. Let's go to the review section. I hate it. So it's weird reading reviews on stuff like this because it's it's generally favoured um in the noise community a lot of misunderstood stuff um but i was more interested in people who thought this was not so great 
Okay. So there was there was a couple um, there was a couple of uh, reviews. One of which went into uh, detail, a lot of detail um, in it. This guy, um, this guy loved it. This guy absolutely. So I'm going to give I'm going to give his review. Um, Masona, this is by Lardo Pirate, and it's from Break Your Music. Uh, Masona with proper noise gear in his apartment before his awful era of voice and static. And golly, it's his best release. <laughs> this is actually varied, good noise. Instead of yelling into a mic and letting pedals do the work for him, his voice appears here and there, but it's much better in this context. At one point, he shoves the mic in his throat and goes, E, 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 E. I don't know which point. I don't know if, uh, if maybe that's one of the one of the time codes we gave out. But, uh, it's a shame he became so bland, which is the absolute worst thing noise music can be. Just, that's it. Just true. I imagine if you're like into noise and then you think someone's like lost their edge. Yeah. It's like, well, fucking hell, that's a just real. making noise for noise sake. Exactly. You're literally just making noise. You're not even making noise with a capital N. Yeah. You're just making noise with a lip when, and that must be awful. It must be terrible. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's all I've kind of got. I've got for that. Um, but I thought that's quite funny. Uh, there's no, I haven't really got much from Nerd's Corner. They've, there's been a vinyl release of this. There's one vinyl release that went had like 199 um, uh, limited edition thereof. Um, really? But, yeah, which is out there somewhere. Um, but yeah, if you've got like the original cassette of this, then great. I mean, there's some stuff he's done, which is literally just it's just sitting on one cassette that he sold. It's only one <sighs> copy of it out there. I love that. Um, which is weird, right? Crazy. Yeah, it really captures my imagination, though, things like that. Mm. Yeah. But um, that's the thing with these noise artists. is very Generally, anyway, they're very prolific and they'll do multiple releases, um, mainly because it's so fucking easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all improvised. You just have to have a spare couple of hours, set yourself up, go for it, and then you got it. You're done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You've not got to worry so much about it. So anyway, that's Masona, and that's a little bit of an insight into the noise genre, which I think we can both agree is very odd. Indeed. So yeah, that's it for the podcast this week. So um, what are we yeah, doing next week? Yeah, what are we doing next week? I think we're doing a game. Doing a game, which we- will be mm. Streets of Rage, this- Sega Mega Drive, or Genesis. Yeah, depending on where you're from. Um, all right, well, let's do that. Let's check it out. Uh, we spoke about Streets of Age before in our Data Discs edition, actually. So, um, yeah, maybe have a listen to that um, in preparation for next week. Otherwise... Do it, Odd Squad. Exactly. Get to it. Goodbye, guys. See you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. If you want to get in touch with us or get a movie, album or game put on our list to discuss, then email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com or a newwinterpodcast at gmail.com. This is part of a New Winter Podcast Network, so head on over to anewwinter.net to check out our other shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at anewwinter, Twitter at anewwinter, and you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash anewwinter. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 